Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Haskins and Timothy Cunio. I can't believe this is our last podcast of the year. What a year. It has flown by so fast. I know. That's crazy, you guys. That's crazy. We've put a lot of time into this. Yes. Last podcast of 2022. This was the year we started. Every podcast has been enjoyable. I want to thank all the guests and... It's been a very interesting year, learning new stuff about Leader Dog and our clients and getting to know our clients, and everybody has a different story. I know. It's amazing to hear, and I feel like we're never going to run out of topics, which is great, because yeah. people just keep sending them to us, and um, so I'm excited for the new year, but I think, you know, it's time to really reflect and, like, be happy of all we've we've accomplished this year with the podcast and launching it and... Yeah. Sometimes it was stressful, Some, but it's always so fun to sit and chat. Yeah. And we're continuously getting some positive feedback and that people are learning things each episode, you know, learning a little bit more about blindness, learning a little bit more about our clients' stories and all of the things that they're doing in the world. Um, so it's just been a great platform for us to educate and advocate. Yeah. And Leslie, I mean, you were telling us a little earlier about um, we did a Facebook Live for one of our events. So I think Another great learning opportunity, if you want to tell us about that. Yes, I was sharing this morning uh, with uh, Timothy and Christina here about my parents. I got to see my parents this weekend, which was really nice. And they had watched Christina and I's Facebook Live at Laid Up Leader Dog the other week. And my dad, in the Facebook Live, I'm talking about, yeah, our clients are here on campus. Hopefully they get an opportunity to come out, look at all the lights, see what all we've got going on. And my dad, later, he was like, I just don't understand why, you know, you're saying look and see and stuff like people are blind. And I was like, okay. I'm like, well, first of all, dad, like (laughs) most people who are legally blind do still have some remaining vision. So it is appropriate to say look or see. Um, But otherwise, like those are words. And I think that's like kind of one of those myths or fears that people have when talking to somebody who's blind or visually impaired that they can't see. Um, or, you know, that they can't see, so you can't say the word see or look. But, Timothy, I'm just curious, what is your perspective on that? Well, you know, I have some partial sight, so I'm one of those people who do. So uh, all the time I get, you know, out in the public, you know, I saw you move or something. You can't be really blind. Yes, I am. I'm legally blind. I have 2% vision in my right eye. So, yeah, while you guys are doing the Facebook Live, I was watching you on my phone. So not everybody is totally blind. I think the percentages are what, 15 to 10% that are totally blind? I I, might Mm -hmm. be wrong there, but um, so a lot of us do have some sight. And if somebody says something, uh, I wouldn't take offense because, you know, normal people say, look at that, see that. That's just normal. They're not going to be, you know, on cue all the time, might might think that you may not be able to see it or not. But it doesn't bother me at all if somebody says, oh, look over there or see that. And uh, I don't think most blind people would be offended by that. Yeah. And I think, too, when our clients are on campus, a lot of the times they're saying it to us, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so good to see you or yeah. that sort of stuff. So I think it's just a, it's a normal conversation. And I think if you are tiptoeing around those words, that's going to make it might make somebody feel more uncomfortable. Um, yeah, yeah I, so. I can, it would make me feel awkward if somebody was trying to tiptoe around it because then it would bring it out in the open. You know what I'm saying? Just treat us normal. Just yeah. treat us normal and talk to us normal. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I just thought it was really funny, right? Like I talk about, you know, my job all the time. My dad hears me and stuff. And so he was just genuinely curious, like wanting to learn more. And I just think that's really cool. Like it's opening up so many conversations. I know my family has learned a lot. I bought my family all the podcast shirts for Christmas. So did I. So (laughs) everybody is getting well-educated on things, but I just thought, you know what? He hears me talk about it all the time and he still has questions, of course. And that's so appropriate. And I was really glad that he asked about it. Yeah. And I also think this is just such a great platform because we can openly talk about things that people might be afraid to ask or talk about. And I know for me, you know, I can ask those questions that I'm still curious about. I didn't don't have a degree in the field or, you know, I am not blind or visually impaired. So for me, I still have those questions. And I, I love to be able to ask you, Timothy and Leslie, you know, get your expertise on things. Well, if you ask questions, that means you're, you're really uh, into it and you want to know the answer. And that makes me feel like you're interested in me. So don't be bothered if you want to ask questions to a blind person, because that means you're interested in what their life is like. And sometimes, you know, it's a good thing to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now we are wrapping up the end of the year, 2022, our first year of taking the lead. And we have an amazing guest to wrap it up with us. So today's guest has attended all three of our Leader Dog programs and has continued to be an incredible ambassador for Leader Dog. Brooke Coleman is a sophomore in college and living in Virginia. She is majoring in political science and double minoring in writing along with human rights and conflict resolution. Brooke hopes to someday complete grad school and possibly have a career in activism with a focus on disability rights. She is living with retinitis pigmentosa and first found leader dog through summer experience camp, but proceeded to participate in orientation and mobility, virtual summer experience camp, and finally guide dog training where she met Samson. Brooke, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Do you mind telling us a little bit about your life and what you do and your hobbies and stuff like that? Hi, absolutely. I'm Brooke. I'm a sophomore in college where I'm part of the Disabled Student Union there and along with the Creative Writing Club, which I love both of those clubs. They're so amazing to be a part of. Um, I got my guide dog, Samson. I've had him for two years now, uh, but I've been part of Leader Dog for coming up on four years, which is insane to think about. And I'm very excited to join you all today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's so great to have you. Now I have to ask right away, you got your guide dog two years ago. So you've had your guide dog on a college campus. What is that like? Oh, it is amazing. I love having him there. He has helped me, you know, no pun intended, navigate life (laughs) so well. (laughs) Um, He, I go to a very small college, so he's like a little superstar there. Everybody knows who he is. I walked into a restaurant like off campus one time and there were these people, I guess, who went to my school and they were just sitting at the table right there and they were like, oh, it's Samson. (laughs) So, you know, everybody knows who he is and everybody knows who I am now. A little bit of a local celebrity. I like it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's take it back just a little bit because you have been with Leader Dog seriously for four years, which is crazy. I met you when you first came to Leader Dog as a camper. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up with RP or when you were diagnosed? Give us a little history on you. Yeah, of course. Um, I was diagnosed when I was seven years old. Um, It was definitely pretty rough coming to terms with it at such a young age. I didn't know anything about vision impairments. I didn't know anything about blindness. So 
the only thing that I really knew was that it made me different from everyone else my age. I was pretty stubborn. I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to use my cane. You know, I knew that it made me stand out and I hated that. Uh, so I was very stubborn about my vision impairment. And honestly, that didn't change until I went to Leader Dog and I went to summer experience camp and I went to the orientation and mobility training. And that's really when I first started like coming to terms with everything. Yeah, that first step of coming terms with your blindness or your visual impairment, I had the same problems. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it's just normal for all of us because you and I want to be normal. We want to exactly. we want to put that off as much as possible. Well, how was your family's reaction when you, you were diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa? I'm pretty lucky because my mom is a special education teacher in the county that I grew up in. So I was able to have her there to sort of walk me through all the ins and outs of the IEPs and accommodations and everything. Uh, outside of my mom, everybody in my family was, you know, pretty supportive. It was definitely an adjustment and a learning process for everybody. And, you know, it still is. It's a continuous learning process. But I'm pretty lucky to have the support that I did. My sister, she is a year and a half younger than I am. And she is, she was like 100% all there for it. Even when she was five or six, when I was diagnosed, you know, she was helping guide me around the house, helping me guide me around stores, really just there for me, whatever I need. So I'm very lucky to have her in my life. And did anybody else in your family history have any visual conditions or anything like that? Any RP? Uh, not that we know of. That's the crazy part about it, mm -hmm. because I feel like everybody that I talk to that has RP has somebody else in their family with it. But as far as we know, I'm the only one with it. Interesting. So what made your parents kind of take you into the eye doctor? Were you missing steps or running into things or? Um, it started because when I was in uh, preschool, we did the little eye exams and I couldn't, they had like the little sailboat up at the top, mm -hmm. which was the biggest image on there. And I couldn't even see the sailboat. So that's when it started. They took me in, they got me glasses. I think, you know, everybody just kind of assumed that that was going to be the solution. And it ended up not being the solution. I was still tripping over. We had like this huge black lab uh, named Dallas and I was always tripping over Dallas constantly. I was, you know, missing stairs. I was, I would have a fork or a spoon next to my plate that I wouldn't see. And then there was this one time when we went to, this is what really turned everything around was we went to this little Christmas show. Um, and I freaked out because we had to go into this really dark tunnel. It was a little train that we were riding on to see all the lights and we went into this really dark tunnel and I freaked out because I couldn't see anything. And that's when my mom really knew that something was going on. Wow, that's crazy. It's so interesting to hear everybody's story and kind of how they came to terms with it, how they recognized um, what was that mm -hmm. turning moment. Um, and absolutely oh, yeah. going through a really dark tunnel when you can't see anything <laughs> as a child and not understanding that everybody else isn't seeing what you're seeing or seeing different mm -hmm. things can be really confusing. Oh, yeah. It was I had so many conversations even before that about we had like this big eagle picture at the end of our table. And I remember having this conversation with my mom that she could she would she could look straight forward and see the eagle picture to the side. And I would look straight forward. I was like, there's no way you can see that. That's not possible. That is so interesting to hear, especially because, mm -hmm. you know, as a parent, you you have to, you know, recognize that if, you know, your child's sick or whatever is going on in their life. I can't even imagine having to 
navigate that being like, are you sure? You know, because sometimes people don't think like we've heard it before. Like they might think, oh, you're joking around or you're just mm-hmm. messing around. So that is um, very interesting to hear your oh, yeah. story about that. So, um, you know, growing up when you were diagnosed, did you start to use a cane right away or was that um, a journey for you as well? Uh, well, I started learning how to use a cane. Whether or not I used it is a different story. <laughs> uh, I started orientation and mobility training when I was uh, eight, like very soon after I was diagnosed at seven. Pretty much the next school year, I immediately started orientation and mobility training and I started learning Braille. But it you know, didn't take me very long to realize that an eight-year-old with a cane gets a lot of stares. <laughs> So I was very, I was very self-conscious about it. I didn't want to use it. Um, I would only use it when I absolutely had to. And even then it was a kind of a struggle for my mom to get me to take it along with me. So I didn't actually start regularly using it until I went to Leader Dogs Orientation and Mobility Training. So as a child, were you the only one in your school that was visually impaired? Did you do this on your own? In my life, I was the only one at my school that had impairments. So what was that like? I was the only one up until my senior year of high school when there was a freshman girl who also had a vision impairment. But other than her, I went through all of school without anybody else who could, you know, relate to me on that sort of level. And I find that so interesting, Brooke, because knowing you when I met you at camp uh, those four years ago, you were an instant leader at camp. You Mm -hmm. really like you walked in like you own the place. You stepped right up to the challenge. You were (laughs) You know, uh, seriously, I mean that though, like we all keep talking, there's campers that just stand out and who have this natural ability to be all inclusive, that are leaders. And you were one of those kids, like you walked in and you just made everybody feel comfortable. You made sure everybody was involved in everything and you were very confident. And so it's, it's funny for me to hear that you didn't start even using your cane until those times, because like I said, when you came into camp, you were fully confident. You were such a good leader and every camper left feeling like you were their best friend. And that is not easy to do. Thank you so much. I mean, so much, you know, fake it until you make it. That's what they say. That is true. But you did. And then you came back. And so because we had you like you're going to be a senior counselor, like we need Brooke back here. Um, And then, of course, we know the world shut down and we did virtual camp. So you still came back, of course, and were a leader in that capacity, too. But first of all, I just want to thank you for making camp that year so much fun and being such a leader and such a good friend to everybody. I think you made people feel comfortable with being blind, right? That you can still be cool and still have fun and just be, quote unquote, normal, if you will. I have already started thinking about my holiday shopping and one thing on my list is getting gifts from Leader Dogs for the Blind gift shop. That's great and guess what, you're in luck because for the month of November and December, if you use code taking the lead, you'll get free shipping. But remember, you can only use one code per order. This is amazing news. I am heading to leaderdog.org and clicking shop right now. Brooke, how did you find out then about like summer camp and leader dog and all of that? Um, I found out because I, so I've wanted a guide dog ever since I was very young, ever since I found out what a guide dog was. And when I turned 16, my orientation and mobility instructor back at home, she started looking at guide dog schools and just trying to see what all was out there for me. We would look together and 
one day she came in and she told me about Leader Dog Summer Experience Camp and was like, I think this would be a great opportunity for you. We looked through all the activities. I was like, this looks amazing. I want to do this right now. So I applied and, you know, the rest is history. Very cool. That's awesome. So, Brooke, if there's a parent out there that's got a child with a visual impairment, how can you tell them how impactful going to that summer camp did for you? Oh, yeah. it's It was so amazing. I can hardly even put it into words. I got so many, I had so many different opportunities there that I never would have had if it wasn't for Leader Dog. You know, we got to go tandem biking, we got to go zip lining, and we even got to work with an actual guide dog for about half of a day. And that was what really sold it for me was when I grabbed onto that dog's harness, I was like, this is amazing. This is a completely different life. And even outside of that, the people that I met, the friends that I made, they have really changed my life so completely. And I actually still keep in touch with some of them today. I was talking with some of them last night. So it's crazy because I never really had that support system around me of people who could relate to me on something as impactful as a vision impairment, as a disability, and being able to find people around me who could support me and who I could talk to and who could relate to me on that sort of level was just life-changing. I'm holding it together here. I know. I like like to see Leslie like holding her heart like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I just like that is truly why we do what we do. And that is what I say all the time about camp is like, our biggest, I'm gonna cry. Our biggest goal is to make connections and for kids to meet other kids going through the same thing. And like the thing I always say is that if a camper leaves with a phone number of somebody that they can call and say, you know what, today sucked, and the other person on the line is gonna say, you know what, I get it, but tomorrow's gonna be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is why we do what we do. So I am delighted to hear that you're still in contact with so many people. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And that it was um, a big week for you. Aww. Oh, yeah. We even did like a little Zoom reunion last year um, over the summer for the, what was it? I guess like two year anniversary um, of Leader Dog. We all did like a big Zoom and we all got to talk to each other again. And it was amazing. Oh my gosh, Leslie is losing it over here. I, you, the more you talk, <laughs> she's just about to start crying more. But that is that is so amazing because, you know, like you said, you didn't know anyone in your school until your senior year. So to have mm-hmm. connections and people to walk through life with is amazing. So you came to summer camp. Then how long um, did it take for you to come back and do orientation? Did you come back and do orientation and mobility then? I did. It took absolutely no time at all. Um, I think about a week or so after I got back from summer camp, I think, Leslie, I think you sent out an email um, asking if anybody was interested in O&M training and I responded immediately. (laughs) So I was back, I think, the next month for O&M. That's awesome. So then, you know, you came back for O&M. Did you get your guide dog before you went off to college or when did that happen? Yes, I did. I got him... um, on Halloween of my senior year, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So, Brooke, you came for O&M, and then what was it like for you to get your guide dog when you were a senior in high school and transitioning back to school life? Uh, it was definitely very different because it was already going to be a different experience because I got him during COVID. So everything was already sort of out of whack. Nothing was really normal. So It was already a very different experience. I'm pretty lucky because for the most part, my peers and teachers were very respectful of him. 
you know, there's always going to be the people who have something to say, who have an opinion on your life. And, you know, you can choose whether or not to listen to them. I decided not to. Uh, you definitely have to be very stern about the rules with him, especially around teenagers, because, you know, high school is 14 to 18. So there are some 14 year olds out there who really wanted to come up and pet Samson or wanted to say something to Samson, didn't really know like the ins and outs of service animals. And so you got to be really strict with with some people. But for the most part, it was it was definitely a very good experience. That is awesome. And that's great because I know you, you're in college now and you have him in college. So that was kind of like a little crash course to test out yeah. your senior year to see how it would all go. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, it was also an educating piece for you too to be able to educate your peers on, you know, how a guide dog works or a service dog in general and not to pet the dog and all of that. Um, so what was that like transitioning then from high school to college? Cause high school, I know, you know, you're probably not traveling throughout a big campus like that. So what was that like? Uh, for the most part, it actually went pretty smoothly. I absolutely loved going to college for the freedom. I grew up in a very rural town where there really isn't much to do around here. So being able to move to college and have an opportunity to really see what Samson can do and let him prove his training and everything was absolutely amazing. He was able to navigate me through this big campus to all of my classes. Like he memorizes my classes within the first week. I think he probably knows where my classes are before I do, (laughs) which is crazy because I never, like I always knew that service animals were like amazing. Guide dogs are amazing. They know how to navigate so well, but I never really knew the, length of what he could do until I got to college and got to test all that out. And we got to, I got to push him a little bit. He pushed me a little bit and it was just absolutely amazing. I love him with my entire heart. So are you on, um, are you like living in a dorm or are you off campus? What is that like living situation with a guide dog? Yeah, I, um, at my school, they actually require you to live in the dorm for three years. So I'm in a dorm with four other people and I'm very lucky with the people that I ended up living with because they're all amazing. They all love Samson. Samson loves all of them. So. Oh my gosh, how fun. That would have been Mm -hmm. so nice to have a dog in in just around. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like animals are proven to reduce stress. That's why at Leader Dog, you can bring your um, personal dog to work because that is a proven Mm -hmm. fact that they're stress relievers. So just to have a dog, a furry friend around, how nice. And that's so good that everybody is respectful and, you know, understands Samson's rules. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about some of the groups that you said you're a part of on campus. How did you get to be a part of those groups? What do you do? I know advocacy is such a big deal with service animals right now. What are you guys kind of working towards or... Yeah, um, one of those groups uh, is a very new one, the Disabled Student Union. That one was actually just created this semester. One of my friends that I met last year decided that they wanted to start up this organization or this club where other disabled students could come and feel comfortable. And we really just try to advocate for accessibility on campus because you know, my school does a very good job at it, but there's always things that can be fixed. And we started realizing that. And we realized that, you know, going to the president or the vice president or the disabilities office as an, as a group, as an organization packs such a stronger punch than just one person going and saying this. So we started this organization, organization where we can email or go to the president, vice president, whoever to, 
sort of advocate for accommodations and for accessibility and have it pack the stronger punch because we're going to them, you know, as a group, as a disabled student union. So it's amazing. And then we also have occasional meetings where we can just find this little community for ourselves on campus of other people who can relate to each other. That's incredible. I, <laughs> sorry, I don't know if Timothy was going to say something. I was trying to give a break. Well, you know, when you got a lot of people together, a lot of things can change. And that's great that you're doing all this in school and stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you find your time doing that while you're doing your studies and stuff, but I give you all the kudos. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love that. I think what you said packs a punch of just having a group and to go together and to advocate for one another. Because mm-hmm. what we talk about all the time and what I find so interesting is that Every person needs something different, whether that be they're blind or they're, you know, wheelchair access, whatever it is, nobody's all the same. So mm-hmm. each person who you meet who's blind or visually impaired is going to need different accommodations. So it's great to just have a wide representation of, you know, people with disabilities, what they need, what they don't need, and how to have those open conversations, I think is probably the biggest thing that we can all learn and take away is how to ask somebody, what can you do? How can I help? What, mm-hmm. you know, accommodations can we make? And I just love that you're already a part of this group. I think that's amazing. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so now you're doing all these things. You've got Samson. What is what is the future for Brooke Coleman? You know, I'm really hoping to just go to grad school and find a job in uh, activism. I'm looking at internships in Washington, D.C. for over the summer, trying to find something in activism in public policy where I can, you know, just find other people like myself, help other people like myself and, you know, give them that extra little push that they sometimes need in government and public policy to get these, uh, um, get get the stuff passed that is going to help other disabled people. That is amazing. Who knows, Leslie and Christina, we might have a future senator on here. Seriously. (laughs) Well, and it sounds like you and Samson are going to have a lot of exciting journeys ahead. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for the future, especially with Samson. Brooke, you got me. I mean, you are just killing me. I'm so happy. I'm just so happy to hear all the things that you're doing. I'm not surprised, like even the slightest bit to hear all of your accomplishments. Um, But I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to thank you for being that person that people I'm sure pick up the phone and call you and talk to you and just being the voice and the advocate on the other lines here. So that's a really important role and you are a natural leader. And I'm just so excited to see what you do and accomplish in the future. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed getting on here. Thank you so much for giving this platform to, you know, other blind people to be able to get our word out there. Absolutely. And thank you, of course, to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about all of the amazing and incredible things that Brooke is doing. And please join us next week as we continue to learn and dive into the world of blindness. Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about coming to Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.